It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. So today we are going to do things a little bit differently. We are going to go through the men's basketball roster for 2021-2022, and we are going to look at two players each week, kind of talk about what we think they need to work on and what we can expect from them uh, next season. So we're going to talk about those two things today. That's going to be it. All right, Casey, I've got a question for you. Hit me with it. So the basketball tournament started this weekend. Purdue plays next Friday, so... Well, the men of Mackey play. No men of Mackey yet, so you'll see them next week. So the basketball tournament uses the Elam ending. Am I saying that right? Yes. Okay. So the Elam ending, for those that don't know. Well, you just um, said it differently, end- so what? I don't yeah, know whatever. which one you want to be le- right. I, I don't either. I just don't know. <laughs> so what it is. I is think it's in- Elam. Elam, okay. The Elam ending. So what it is, it's in the fourth quarter, the first dead ball under four minutes. So what would normally be the four under four timeout, uh, they basically stop, look at the score. They add eight points to the team that is ahead, and that is the target score. Uh, So the example they give on the website is if the score is 80 to 72, the two teams play to 88, and the first team to get there wins. So in other words, no clock, and it's just – you got to get to a target score at that point. Now, all that lengthy explanation out of the way, 
Casey, do you love this, hate this, or are you indifferent to this? So I'm pretty sure the NBA All-Star Game also used the Elam ending, but they used a different variation of it. Uh, I think because they were scoring first, second quarter separate, and then yes. at the start of the fourth quarter, they had the point goal. I had that wrong in my head. I, I I think for things like this, it's really, it is really fun. I don't think it's something that works or you need if you're playing a series like the NBA Finals or the NBA Playoffs because you have enough by playing the same team multiple times to get a correct winner. I think it makes the end of games a lot more fun. Uh, the one thing about a tournament like this, you don't really know especially early on which teams really stick with other which teams and it's a one with it being a win there's no second loss you lose your out. yeah 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 it's just a single elimination tournament this is a good way to prevent teams from fouling late when they have nothing going uh, the basketball tournament can't afford to have nba final type a uh, two hour last two minutes of a game yeah it's not fun no one wants to see it and it's it's a way where basketball is always better the tighter the game is the less time and anyone that's played pickup ball, you know what it's like when both teams are on game point and it ratchets up and that energy everywhere from all 10 players on the court. It's a lot of fun. So if you give them a hard target and they know how to be, uh, they know where they have to get to, it brings this nice different strategy and feeling to an end of game. Um, you see teams go all out on defense if they're behind. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think it's a lot of fun. I love it. I yeah. love it. So I'd never heard of it until I started watching the basketball tournament last year when the men of Mackey were in it. And their actual, they had an Elam ending that they came back from behind and won, if yes. you'll remember correctly. They were playing Heartfire. Uh, they were down by six uh, at the Elam ending when it started. So they basically, they needed 14 points uh, compared with Heartfire's uh, eight, and they came back to win. Um, and it was extremely exciting. Uh, like I said, I did not know what it was before the basketball tournament. So this was my first experience watching a game like that, but uh, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, I would not, I, you know, like you said, I wouldn't want it in any other circumstance. Maybe I wouldn't want it in college, uh, but it does make the end of the game flow a lot better. And you do get more true basketball out of it rather than, you know, there's 30 seconds left and there's going to be 12 free throws uh, to see what happens. So you take that out of the game, which quite frankly, no one wants to see. So I think for, for tournaments like this, I think it's a great use uh, of getting more basketball out there. Yeah, I think it's a genius play. Um, I think it's especially like this Twitter generation and everything can go viral so quickly. And literally as it's happening, you can, you know, get this little storm of people paying attention. And I think it's something that can create a lot of excitement. You'd be like, Oh, Crap, this team is coming down 20 all of a sudden. They've just locked in this team, and there's four points left. So I, I, I think it gives you the kind of potential for uh, you know that a shot, the next shot going in is the game winner, and that's a right. lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it, it just reminds me a lot of, like you said, playing to the co-rec or a pickup game with your friends. It's like, hey, we're playing to 21, and guess what? We have 19 right now, so... I know I make this shot, we win. And it, you just, you get that feeling of intensity and it brings out the best in those players because there is a set goal that they're going for. It's always so, fun to see I, the guy who, as soon as he knows there's a target, like there's a shot on the floor that can win the game. There's just those guys and it's usually never for the good, but you just know they're checking it. Like when they, oh, yeah. <laughs> when, they're, when they need three points, you're like, ah, yeah, he's dribbling from 32 feet out. This is going up. Yeah, as soon as he got the ball and he knew the score, it didn't matter. He was going to shoot. Well, all right. So we are pro-Elam ending, uh, and we'll see that 
when the men of Mackey play next week, or, you know, you can watch the uh, basketball tournament right now. All right, so it sounds like we are both pro the Elam ending, and uh, you can get your taste of it now during the basketball tournament. And reminder, the men of Mackey will be in action next weekend in Columbus. Uh, They play on Friday the 23rd. So look out for that game, and if you're not acquainted with the Elam ending, you are now, so you'll be ready uh, when you see that strange target score pop up on the screen. So moving on to our main topic tonight, we are going to look at the uh, basketball squad for next year. We're going to do two players um, each each podcast, and all we've done is I basically sorted by class, uh, and we're going from the bottom of the list to the top. So we are going to start, start with Sasha Stefanovic. So, Casey, do you want to kind of give me a summary of what – kind of the big things we think Sasha is going to work on and what we can kind of expect out of him for the next season. Yeah, it's kind of weird with Sasha because the things he needs to work on aren't really something that you can just work on in real ways because mostly his game comes down to being more consistent, particularly on the road, as we saw even more, not last year as much, but the year before, where just a completely different player if he wasn't playing him. Uh, this year, I mean, it is, you have to know, he caught COVID, missed the Michigan, Minnesota, and Maryland game, came back and was not himself uh, for a good portion, uh, started to catch fire against Nebraska, still struggled down the stretch, didn't really look like the same player, really struggled in the NCAA tournament game. So that's one part of it. His offense, he just needs to carry that shot over. I don't really know... He is one of the best pure shooters in Purdue history already. We've seen what he can do. He can get hot. Dangerous. He really showed a nice improvement with the ball in his hand this year. Uh, there were there were times where he was the only guy getting and willing to go to the hoop. I think that's the one thing that really separates his game from like Dakota Mathias. He does have the quickness to get by his guy. He's not crafty going left or right, but he draws so much attention and space. When he catches the ball, he can really close out on a guy. And he was pretty good at drawing fouls and finishing at the hoop for someone you think of as vertically limited. But Yeah, so yeah, go ahead. I just want to say, so when we're looking at his 2020-2021 season, keeping in mind, you know, he did have COVID. We don't know the extent of, you know, how symptomatic he was or all of that. But we do know, um, obviously, he missed some games. I do just want to throw out some stats for you uh, from this past season. He averaged 29.4 minutes, scored 9.3 points, grabbed 2.6 boards, 2.6 assists. Uh, Shooting percentages were 41.6 from the field, 40% from three, and uh, to go to your last point about his his getting to the rim uh, and going to the line, uh, 84.2% at the free throw line. So those are good numbers, um, but I don't have a home road split in front of me as far as his three-point percentage goes. And maybe it's just anecdotal, but it seemed to me, like you said, that his split was so much worse on the road. Yeah, and, you know, it kind of makes sense because you're not, as a shooter, the more comfortable you are, the better you're going to shoot. The problem is, once again, you see a real drop-off in his three-point percentage against bad opponents and good opponents. Yeah, His conference three-point percentage was only 33%. He shot 40% on the year. He was better oh, yeah. against... You don't, you don't love that. Yeah. He was better against worse opponents. Yeah, because, I mean, these are these are the games we need him the most. Uh, he is the best shooter on the team. 
So therefore, we need him to be the best shooter on the team in the biggest games. We need him to step into the role that Ryan Smith played, that Dakota Mathias played, that Ryan Klein played from a shooting perspective. Obviously, you know, on, on defense, it's a whole different animal. But from a shooting perspective, that's what we need from him. So so here is my you, – you kind of dragged me towards what's going to be my biggest point. <laughs> good, good. I'm trying to get it out of you. I don't think the shooting issue is that big of a deal because if you're as good as a shooter as he is and as well-respected as he is as a shooter – you are going to have the gravity on the court that will always make your minutes a positive on the offensive end. And we've seen it time and time again. If he's on the court, even if he's not making shots, our offense looks better because we have more space everywhere. It gives room inside for Trey to work. It gives room for Ivy to attack. Everyone is better on the floor on offense because of the respect that he has earned because he has been, you know, a, he shot 41% as a freshman, 38% as a sophomore. 40% as a second sophomore. He <laughs> is, when you have a shooter like that, he is always valuable on the floor. Absolutely. But, absolutely. Except, and I, I'm not trying to take it away from except, him. I'm not, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. So I, we just want to know, what is your accept? Defensively, he cannot get played off the court in NCAA tournament games anymore. Right. And he's had that happen every tournament game he's played it, for the most part. Uh, he was playing his true freshman year. Not a ton of minutes. Came in, good shooter. We brought him in against Virginia, and in about a minute and a half, I think he gave up 3-3. Had to take him out. Okay, too young. Not a thing. But last year against North Texas, North Texas' entire offense was to find Sasha Stavanovic and attack him one-on-one, -on -one, and it worked. We lost Yeah, they did, they did a lot Texas. of They did a lot of switches and, and movement to get the man with the ball be guarded by Sasha. Now, here's the thing. He only played 19 minutes. Painter just took him out of the game in the second half. Painter which, has to be better. Which if, Painter has to be it better. Was, yes, but I mean, if if we are going to rely on Sasha to be our main shooter, if he is going to be the one who has the gravity on the court to pull those guys away, we have to be able to rely on him on defense so that he can play more than 19 minutes in a win-or-go-home game. There's a lot of offenses or, or teams that play defensive players that are worse than Sasha. You know who they okay. are. You help them out. You run defenses, you don't switch off, you don't get them isolated. There are ways to protect poor defensive players. And he's not entirely useless. He's pretty big, he's pretty quick, he's pretty good off-ball. Just on-ball, he really struggles. So, so why do you think that is? I mean, what about his defensive effort or style or skill set is lacking that causes him to be run off the ball like that so often? He's a little over-aggressive. Um, he really looks to play passing lanes. Uh, he bounces around and kind of gets himself out of position with his hips. He's not the quickest player in the world. He struggles a little horizontally. He can't defend the short, the quick ball-dominant guard that's going to attack and attack. They're going to get by him. But we also have a tendency to overhelp. We also have a tendency to... If you get a bad matchup, you, you, don't, have to, you don't have to switch every time. You tell your guard to get through, stay on your guy. Right, right. Run through it. Yeah. And sometimes that just has to be your focus and you have to know because what you get from him offensively, that North Texas game, you know, he had nine points. Four of it was at the line. In 19 minutes, he drew four free throws by attacking the basket in a game where we struggled to get any real offense. We need yeah, we him had, on the floor. we had no offense. We need him on the floor. The tougher the game, the more we need him, even if his shooting isn't there. But yeah, we have to find a way to, A, yes, he needs to be better himself. He needs to track his guy better. He needs to not get in bad spots, get out of position. But also we just, yeah, we need to help. 
we've got enough athletes now all over. Um, we've got good size. We have to find ways to – our defense last year was bad as a team. So, I mean, we know we know Sasha has flaws. But as you said earlier, and I want to get at this, Painter needs to do a better job of hiding him, covering him up, whatever wording you want to use on defense. How much of the struggles of Sasha and therefore, you know, the Purdue defense, how much of that do you put on Sasha versus Painter? I put it on last year being yes, last a year. season – that we didn't know we were going to have. We had a lot of young guys. We never, they never, um, there's a really good athletic piece on what Painter is doing different this year. Last year, he talked about how they never got into like the complex part of the defense that they need. The rotations. Okay. The next yeah, yeah, step. I remember that article. This year, he's starting out with the hard stuff because he yeah, knows. He, he's making them drink from the fire hose right away. Yeah, He knows at the end of the year, defensively, they were not good enough. Their rotations weren't good enough. They were overhelping. We were giving up way too much easy stuff just because as soon as someone dribbled at anyone, we would help off with the easiest pass, leaving, you know, a defense that's out of rotation already then. We can't do that. And that's really when your weak one-on-one defenders get exploited. So that's a lot on Painter. Um, I don't think Sasha was fully physically back. Right. After COVID at the end of the year, I think that was part of it. And part of it is Sasha needs to be a little smarter, needs to he, – he's a little over-aggressive at times, and he doesn't have the athletic ability to, you know, catch up. He's got to be in right. perfect position at all times. So right. it's a little so, bit of everything. Yeah, I mean, Sasha isn't the kind of guy who, if he's out of position and, and jumps for a ball, he's not going to be able to get himself no. back on his guy. His guy is going to be gone, so he can't take those risks that someone like – uh, Carson Edwards might have taken on defense. Yeah, and it's not just the big ones that you see right away. It's just if he's hustling a little too much and all of a sudden he's like 10 degrees off on a guy's hip, he's giving up an entire driving lane without any resistance. And that's sometimes harder to help because you don't see it right away. It's one thing when you see him blow by, like everyone knows they have to go in rotation. But when you see him almost square, you're like, okay, what's happening? Oh, he's gone. He's right. Just right. Basket. Yeah. When you're just barely out of position, yeah. that can, like you said, it can be hard to cover up because no one sees it. And especially, you know, he had young guards around him everywhere. Trey's not the best defensive center. And Zach Eady is a true freshman. So there weren't many people on the floor that are going to help uh, in a big defensive way. Honestly, Aaron Wheeler was probably our most consistent defender all of last year. Take from that what you want. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, he will not be back next season he as he not. transferred. So, um, all right, well, what can do we have anything we're looking forward to specifically for Sasha next season, or do we need to move on to, to Trevion? I would just say I'm looking for Sasha to really have the game slowed down for him. He has increased his playmaking every year. Uh, when I look at players' progression, I don't really look at counting stats. I really like to go over to someone like Ken Palm and look at their uh, assist and turnover ratio. I think that really shows how the game has slowed down for him, how they're seeing it. So his freshman year, Sasha's assist rate was 6.5%, which in layman terms means an end of possession for him 6.5% of the time ended up in an assist. It's very low. Okay. His turnover You're, rate? You, wait, hold on. You, you kind of cut out there. Okay. So it's, after you said the 6.5, you're like, it's very uh, low. And so I think you said low, but you might want okay. to do that again. 6.5%, which is very low. At the same time, his turnover rate, which is the same way. Turnover rate means percentage of plays ended in turnover. It was 28.2% low. That seems oh. high. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that is, that's less than ideal. <laughs> that's a lot of turnovers. 
Yeah. <laughs> Sophomore year, he all, he doubled his assists to 12.7, okay. lowering the turnovers from 28 to 18%. Okay, we're still we're on the high side. Yes, we're trending we're trending in the right direction. Let me ask you this before we get into uh his next season. Mm-hmm. What what kind of numbers are you looking for in these categories? For a guy like Sasha. Well, for a guy like Sasha who's technically not a lead ball handler. Right, yeah, he's not You want that turnover rate way low. You're not super worried about the assist rate. It'd be nice to have it high, but you just don't want turnovers for a guy who's not initiating offense. So that 18 is way too high still. Tw- so then, tw- was it 20? 20... 28 is insane. <laughs> yeah, that's way way too high, though. Yeah. If 18 is too high, then yeah. 28, you don't love that? No, you don't. Kind of because, you know, we saw Dakota come in, and there's similar players. Ryan Klein falls under this, too. They had incredible IQ in a way that they also didn't feel the need to do. One of the hardest things to do on a basketball court is to know exactly what you're good at. And Ryan Klein and Dakota Mathias, pretty much 100 out of 100 on Yeah. They yeah, never they, got they uncomfortable. They knew exactly what they were going to do every time yeah. they stepped on the floor. They knew where to be, what to be. They saw angles. They knew space. Incredible. It's why their efficiency numbers. P.J. Thompson was the same way. It's why their offensive rating and efficiency numbers were always out of this. Third year, Sasha, 16.2 assist rate, 4% increase. It's really good. That's, that is starting to be a playmaker level. Okay. Right around the 16 to 18. Turnovers dropped to 15%. Still a little high, but, yeah, he also had to high do, but he also had to do a lot more with the ball last year. Yeah. And that's when you start feeling all of a sudden, like his offensive rating as a freshman was 91. Then it jumped to 108. And then it was 122.6, which was 65th best in the country. And that is pretty much tracking shooting and your turnover. Okay. So he really did make a big improvement last year. But and, I mean, it sounds like he's still, I mean, based on those numbers and where we would probably like him to be. It sounds like he can get those numbers in a better position. He can get that turnover number down and he can get that assist number up. Yeah, I would like to see him in an 18 to 10. Sp- Man, that still seems like a lot of turnovers, but on it, it's so that's really not a ton. I'm looking at Dakota Mathias here. Uh, his best season was only 13 points. Okay. Turnover. All right. So all right. Fair. Once he like Dakota senior year was 15 percent. His turnovers weren't bad last year. Okay. He made a dramatic improvement. All right. Well, I mean, as long as we don't return to that number of 28, uh, I think we'll be we'll be in good shape. We don't want to see that number yes. again. You can ch- Hopefully, you can chalk a lot of that up to the fact that he was a freshman. Um, yes. You know, you throw a lot of freshmen out there, and no matter how good they were in high school, they're just going to get lost every now and then. So, and and I remember watching Sasha his first year, and that was the case for him from time to time. So. Hopefully we won't see any of that coming up in this 2021-2022 season. Which I, I also just want to say, so those are Dakota Mathias's numbers who gets a ton of acclaim and is always talked about as one of the smartest passers on our team. Ryan Klein, is, he had a 10% turnover rate as a true freshman. Well, he didn't play much as a true freshman. Uh, I mean, he played 33% of the minutes. But, I mean, you saw what Sasha did with those eight minutes. Yeah. Okay, fair. Um, and Dakota as a freshman was not, I mean, Dakota didn't play much more than, uh, Ryan Klein as a freshman. Either. Yeah. And, well, and Dakota was also, that was his mono season. So right. he was struggling as well. But yeah, like Ryan Klein, Ryan Klein would be the ideal season. His senior year, 18% assist rate, really high, 12% turnover. Okay. That's what you want to see. That's, that is them putting it all together. And I don't think that that doesn't sound out of the realm of possibility for Sasha. So, uh, those are maybe the numbers we want to look at as the season goes forward. Um, you know, just take care of the ball and uh, make the right passes. And it sounds like 
on offense at least, he will be moving in the right direction, and hopefully we can see that continued improvement next year. Yeah, because we saw at the end of the year Sasha really step up his playmaking. Um... Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Wisconsin game, he had eight assists, one turnover. Indiana game right after, six assists, one turnover. Even the Ohio State game, the overtime loss in the tournament, oh. three assists, no turnovers. Those are the kind of numbers we're going to want to look for from him. Yeah, I mean, if you can, if you can in those Ohio State or Ohio State, the two um, games there, fourteen assists and two turnovers. Anytime you can get a seven to one assist to turnover ratio, you're going to want to take that. Yeah, because you know if if he is getting buckets for other people, it's because uh, the opposing defense is in shambles, and he is part of the reason just by his threat of shooting. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So it sounds like we've uh, we've got some pretty high expectations again uh, for Sasha next year. Uh, he will be again. He'll he's going to be our best shooter, and we just need to figure out a way to to kind of cover up those those flaws on defense, whether that be through scheming or whether that be uh, through some increased uh, court awareness and uh, situational awareness by Sasha. But I, I believe he's in for a good uh, last year. Of course, we say last year, but with COVID and the free year, who knows who will stay and who will go. But I think we can both agree that our next player will definitely be going, but we will talk about him after the break. All right, and we are back. Uh, the next player I alluded to right before the break, this will likely be his last season, even though uh, COVID will give him a free year if he wants it. Uh, I am, of course, talking about the man who flirted with the NBA in the offseason, Trevion Williams. Uh, big number 50 for Purdue. So uh, I don't think it's a stretch to say we were both very excited uh, when he announced that he was coming back. It was something that we assumed was going to happen, but you know, you never know until the words come out of his mouth. Um, and he did announce that he was returning for what we assume will be his, his fourth and final season with Purdue. And he could very well be uh, pretty dominant in the Big Ten next year. Don't you agree? I mean, he's already shown. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I would be I, – I don't know if him and Ivy are going to take votes away. for. But my if I had a vote preseason player of the year in the Big Ten, I'm going Trey. Really? Wow. All right. I think he's that dominant. 
the thing I like about him is the bigger the game, the better the opponent, the better he is. You don't yeah, see he's that been from great big under guys, pressure. Uh, down the stretch of games. There, I've never seen a guy... There are times in the in the clutch moments, the last entire six minutes of a game multiple times in his career, it's just been give him the ball, and it works out almost every time. Yeah. There aren't dominant players like that. Very many places in college basketball, and if they are, they're talked of as national players of the year. I would be shocked if he's not a finalist for that. Okay, wow. So you are really putting a... Uh mountain of pressure on young mr williams shoulders he's a big dude broad shoulders he'll be fine yeah, <laughs> broad shoulders he can probably he'll carry a lot fine. i've had him <laughs> dunk in my face he will be fine you hold on back up you've had him dunk in your face oh i torched trey williams in the cover whoa, whoa, whoa. no i don't i don't i put it. up 14 and 13 on him back-to-back games games to 15 i don't buy it Vote. I don't buy it. I, look, I told you the truth about Octius. I'm telling you the truth you about did. Trey. You did. He so lost back to back games and walked away and went to a different court. Okay. How did he do, though? Were there a bunch of scrubs on his team? What are we talking here? Yeah, his friends weren't very good. Okay. Yeah, and I got, I I got like, real hot. Like, I'm hitting like 30 foot fat curries right now. Okay. All right. Well, I don't feel as bad now. <laughs> so tell me about this dunk. Well, he wasn't even involved in the play. I got switched on. I don't even think I was guarding him. My guy went up for a layup. Missed it. I turned around, and all of a sudden, I see Trey Williams' girth just above me as the rebound went off the backboard, and he threw it down in a way that I tinkled. Oh, my. I mean, not literally, but I was So, well, yeah. So, okay. I'm going to leave that aside, wishing I this had a is, video This of is it. also pre—I don't believe he'd even played yet. Like, this was true freshman before he played. Okay. All right. So, he was still probably, he was still probably working his way into game yes. shape at this point. Yes. All right, that's not as embarrassing then. Also, it's not like he was taking us in the pub. Like, uh, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, he was playing some point with Okay, all right. Um, so, obviously, like I said, we love that he's back. We expect great things from this guy. What do you think he needs to work on to reach that player of the year level for uh, next season? Not to hawk the athletic more, but the athletic had another piece about Purdue. Talk to does the Jay athletic Williams. does the does the athletic uh, pay for this podcast? I'm just saying, if you want good Purdue coverage, like yeah, read us, but also read the Athletic. We're pretty good. <laughs> okay, I'm well, not. I'm not having lunch argument. with Trey Williams. Well, that's because he keeps turning you down. He talked a lot about the NBA process was him to learn what he can do to get better. Obviously, a lot of that is perimeter oriented, and a lot of it is keeping his body in shape. I think that's where it starts. The more in shape he's going to be, the more he can play, the quicker he'll be. Those are all great. The expansion of like his shooting ability, I don't think we're ever going to not want him to pay with his back to the basket because he's so good in the post. And he's such a great passer out there. But if yeah, we're going to yeah, live my dream. Une- the passing is just completely unexpected for absurd. so many defenses. Absurd. But if we're going to live my dream, Ledman, of Edie and Williams dream. on the floor together, Williams has to at least have a mid-range jumper. Yeah. Yeah, because otherwise, I mean, there's not enough space in the court. You can't have them both down there. In theory. I think we can. I think Trevion's good enough in the perimeter with the ball in his hand that he can be the entry pass on the ED's side, which is what we saw in a couple of possessions they had. But if he has a jumper while doing that, it makes all the sense in the world. Okay. All right. (laughs) Moving on from your pipe dream to the real world, to the real world. Next steps for... For Trevion, I mean, he has gotten better each and every year. Um, you know, he came in as a guy who people were worried about his weight. People were worried about his conditioning. 
And now there's not a single question mark in my mind about his weight or conditioning coming into this next season. I mean, do you have any questions about that? Ah, he looks good and crisp in every video I've seen of him working out this. Yeah. I mean, he's looked great in those NBA videos. Those, in fact, scared us a little bit when we saw him. <laughs> he, we were like, oh, he, he looks really good. I don't want him to go. Um, so one of the big, I, I won't say flaws uh, with Williams' game last year was foul trouble. Um, you know, he he would often find himself committing some pretty bad fouls, and he'd get two real quick. And obviously it worked out great for Purdue because you have a guy like Edie who can, can come in you know, and, and just pop in and, you know, he obviously plays a little bit of a different game than Williams, but there's not a huge drop off from Williams to Edie. So is, do we think that is something the, the foul trouble is something that Williams can improve upon, or is this just going to be a problem that we just have to live through uh, all of next season? A little bit of A, a little bit of B. I thought he got a lot better during the year at, he would get in foul trouble early. He fouled out twice in the first uh, five games against Miami and Clemson. I just don't think, I don't think they were ready for basketball. I think the season came by quick, but he does have too many games where he has four. There's a lot of them on there. If you look all over the place, I, I think conditioning and being in shape helps more because you can, you know, if you're not at a position, you don't have to try to help too much. You don't have to recover. I, I think we just have to live with it a little bit because he's never going to be the best defender. He's, inside all the time it, it's just going to be something that happens and you hope he can manage it just a little tweak of an improvement would be enough do, we do, do have we think the fact yeah do you think the fact that he may be coming in as you know a national player of the year watch list person or be on these you know big dramatic um important lists that the the referees might treat him a little different than they have in the past it would be nice. The only problem is a lot of his fouls are just like hacking fouls. Right. Yeah. It's not like, is he straight vertical up at the rim? Usually it's like, ah, he tried to poke that ball away. and It's either you have to call the foul because he did poke the ball away, or it's him late recovering at the rim. And it's not like he can get up to challenge it above the shot. So I don't know. I, I think it's one where he just has to be more focused mentally to be in the right place physically on the defensive end and not take plays off or just seconds off in a possession that gets him in a bad spot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you make a fair point that a lot of them are not really subtle fouls, so you can't really get the the superstar treatment in a lot of those circumstances. But I mean, do do you think, are there any other glaring weaknesses or, or issues that, that he has going into next season that we haven't talked about? Yeah. I mean, free throw shooter, you can't be a 50% free throw shooter. Yeah. Yeah. You're wasting it because he's one of the best players in the country at drawing fouls. He's inside all the time. He is an absolute offensive threat from everywhere. Make your free throw. He was 53 of 106. That's not that's good just, enough. That's just absolutely perfect 50% too. Yeah, you can't I mean, it's amazing. have that kind of touch and not make your free Yeah, and I mean, obviously, we don't know how many of those were the front end of one and ones. So how many free throws really could he have attempted yes all of them he missed missed 53 front ends that's it's kind of amazing that he didn't miss anymore um but i mean you could think of think of the points you're leaving on the court right there and the more he makes the the bigger a threat he is because he can't be a guy that you're just gonna hack right you know at the end of the game and that makes it all the easier for him to get those those buckets down low. It really does. And 
I mean, that'll make you double more as well. And please double Trey because he's oh, the absolutely. best passing big man I've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. I call it like uh, those are the, when you double him, he is going to find the open man. He is completely unselfish as a player. He should have twice as many knows, assists as he had yeah, last well, year. Because our guys don't know the ball no. coming and they're not paying attention. Um, we talked about <laughs> assist rate I mean, earlier. What, yeah. what do you think his was last year? Uh, 11. What? You think lower than 11. Sasha? Yeah. His assist rate was 24.9. Okay. Well, One I'm out of all... every four of his possessions ended with an assist. I was just thinking of all the times like you just talked about when right. he, he made a great pass. So, wow, he probably could have had like... It probably 45. could have been like 30. Yeah, a crazy amount, which is why I'm so yeah. excited for him to play with first. Okay, so you think you think first coming in is going to be a real boon for Trey? I do, because he just, you watched it, depending on who he was playing, he would either get open in the mid-range or at the hoop. Always moving, not wasting movement, just always in this little pocket. And he's talented enough and athletic enough to do damage from every spot on the court. It's the perfect marriage with a big guy who just wants someone who wants the ball at all times and first scored over 20 points a game in high school. He wants the ball. He is Mr. Indiana. He thinks he deserves the ball every play. Mason Gillis does a lot of things well. He did not want the ball every possession. No, no, nor should he have it every possession. No, he should not. First, should. He wants it. He knows how to get to places to do damage, and he's long, and he can hit the mid-range jumper, and I am super excited to see what those two will look like on the floor together. Also, Jaden Ivey, it's weird when you, everyone that talks about him that's not like Purdue writers, when they were talking about his Olympic performance, everyone mentioned how good he was at cutting off ball. Yeah, obviously. Trey will find you. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, Trey had a 16% turnover rate, which is not bad for as much as he touches the ball. Yeah, yeah. And the best gotta... player. Yeah, the percentage, I mean, it's probably skewed just because he, he had the ball so much yeah. more. And probably 4% of those turnover rates were cutters that couldn't catch the pass that he made to their hands. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I could catch a pass from Trey if I'm not expecting it. Yeah, they're really good. But, yeah, I think his numbers, he his uh, percentage of processions finished on the air, second highest in the nation, first highest in shot. But he still was that efficient everywhere. He's still that good on the – he's the fourth best offensive rebounding player in the country. 51st best defensive rating. He's top five in the Big Ten in both. His assist rate is top 12 in the Big Ten. He is a monster, a one-man machine that hasn't been unlocked yet because his teammates haven't been ready for him the last two years. And I yeah, think and that you, changes this year. Right. You would think given the history of what he's been doing and what he's been trying to do, they they would be a little bit more prepared – this season um, at getting those, those sweet, sweet Trevion passes uh, coming their way, even though they may not expect them. So hopefully that assist rate uh, will go up. Yeah. And just, uh, we should have better shooting. We have, should have more offense almost everywhere on the floor. Everyone yeah, is which, coming back. Everyone has played with him now, except for, you know, the two freshmen, they all are getting an off season workout together. They're all grinding together in each year. That That's what's so special about a team that returns so many players. Nothing should be a surprise now after last year where everything was just off kilter and harder than it normally is. Yeah, yeah. So basically uh, what I'm hearing is if Trey does not win Big Ten Player of the Year, National Player of the Year, 
Uh, it was a disappointment, and he shouldn't have even come back. No, is that is that, that no, about wrapped if up? If he doesn't win those, it's Jaden <laughs> Ivey, and we still win the title. It's okay, fun. all right, all right. There, <laughs> finding the optimism in the dark cloud. There. Bold prediction. There's yeah. my bold prediction. <laughs> okay, one two Big Ten players in the year. I don't know in which way Jaden Ivey, Trevion Williams. Okay, well we're gonna hold you to that. Uh, when the season comes around, if neither of them are in the top two, we might have to have you uh, do the Waffle House challenge. So. Oh, we'll just we'll just kill the podcast. Just okay. Basketball just won't be fun. Yeah, that's fair. All right, so I think we've we've wrapped up Sasha and Trevion. Uh, unless you've got anything else to add, Casey, I will hand it over to you because you've got the recommendation for us this week. I do have the recommendation, and it's not a tweet. So much, but you can go find it on Twitter. That's where I saw it. I want everyone to go. So Ted Lasso comes out in a week. Season two. Yeah, it does. But we have a real life Ted Lasso. Go you... watch Giannis Antetokounmpo. I've never been able to say this dude's Antikin... name. Do not feel bad. I want to read it. I, I'm going to you know, get this right. He'll wait. But while you're doing that, here's the thing. I don't, I don't watch a lot of NBA. So when, when, he, when Giannis came into the league... I didn't like I hadn't watched the draft. I didn't watch a game for like the first two seasons. And I was like, I'd never heard his voice or his his name spoken. So I had no idea how it was said. And then I think like the first time I heard it was like a, maybe even a year ago. And I was like, huh, so that's how that is. Good for him. All right, moving on. So let's hear you say it. Come so on. I, I, go, I believe in you. Everyone go watch Giannis Antetokounmpo. There you go. And his answer to a question, I believe it was about ego or trying hard or. Um, how he gets in the right mind space. I don't know. But his answer was pure poetry, philosophy. It's one of the best, most wholesome and perfect answers I've ever heard to anything in my life. So go ahead. He pretty much gives this minute and a half soliloquy about his process. And pretty much he equates, you know, the things he's done, the way he performed in a game. Thinking about that is his ego, you know, bragging about what he's accomplished. And if he gets stuck on that, he's probably going to suck going forward. And then he, he moves it even further. He's like, me saying I'm going to do something next game, that fu- talk about the future, that's my pride. But what I try to do, what he tries to do, is living in the present, enjoying the moment, and that's humility. And I just think that cornerstone, that triumvirate of you know thinking about not getting lost in the past, things you've accomplished, not getting lost in the future, just living in that moment and like equating it to humility. This is this just beautiful sentiment that I think we could all try a little more. And I just thought, what what a wonderful person having a microphone representing, you know, the NBA and everything. And just we need to listen to more people like that. And I think everyone should go watch it. You know, just feel that radiance of someone who is so perfectly delightful. I, I tell you, I saw a bunch of people tweeting about it today. Uh, I saw the videos like two minutes long. And I was just like, I'll I'll watch that later because people were saying it was so great. It was giving them goosebumps. They were like, this is how you need to live your life. So uh, I will take the two minutes when we're done here uh, and listen to his answer because if it gives me anything like Ted Lasso vibes, uh, <laughs> it'll be well worth the two minutes. It's it's beautiful. It's it's just great. All right. Well, I love the wholesome recommendations. Anything <laughs> that can make anything that can make me smile and possibly cry. Uh, I will I will pay attention to. So I will take a look at that. Uh, I've got it pulled up already. So as soon as we're off here, I'm probably going to watch that. So, all right. Well, that wraps up yet another edition of the Hammer and Rails podcast. And I want to point out to the haters, especially Kyle, this is now two weeks in a row I've been back. 
so I don't want to hear any of your shit. <laughs> All right. So we will uh, we will say goodbye for today. Make sure to rate, review, and hammer that subscribe button. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Make sure you listen. We'll talk to you next week, folks. Barbecue, sir. That was creepy.